And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast, this week sponsored by VMAX Electric Scooters. If you're looking for a high-quality electric scooter with superior performance, you're going to want to check out their new VX5, VX2 Pro, and VX4. We're going to have more on them uh, later on in the podcast. For now, I'm your host, Mike Atoll. I'm joined again by Electric Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we have a pile of new electric bike and scooter and uh, tiny Cybertruck and other interesting news in the non-car electric vehicle space. Um, all sorts of things from new e-bike models from Ride One Up. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a interesting moped style e-bike review we did from Electric Bike Company. Uh, something interesting happened when Paris banned their electric scooters. We got a new word on what the latest is there. Uh, there's a new folding electric scooter that is as small as a lunchbox, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about the new Livac E-Quad, the most capable electric ATV ever, though there's not a lot of competition there yet. Um, that tiny Cybertruck we talked about is coming up, and uh, there's more where that came from. So let's see, where are we going to start this week, Seth? All right, ride one up. Uh, CF Racer 1 unveiled as a high-speed gravel road bike without the high price. Yeah, this one I think is going to be pretty interesting to use, Seth. The only thing it doesn't have that you'd probably want is a uh, Broza mid-drive motor. But this is ride one up's attempt to make a uh, both a, a road bike and a gravel bike. They have two versions with a carbon fiber frame and with components that are, are pretty nice. I mean, these are not like top, top shelf. This isn't like a an S-Work specialized bike. But it's going to compete with bike shop style road bikes. Uh, it's got a very nice carbon fiber frame plus carbon seat post, carbon fork, stem, handlebars. Like it's all anything that can be carbon is carbon here. With the exception of no carbon fiber belt, it is a uh, 11 speed. Um, but otherwise, it's basically a drop bar um, road bike. And then the gravel bike version comes with um, wider gravel tires and a slightly different angle on the handlebars, but otherwise they're, they're very similar. The price is, uh, I believe 2,200 is the launch price and the, uh, MSRP is 2,300, which, you know, is, is higher than most of ride one ups bikes, but we're talking about a 27 pound carbon fiber electric bike here. Um, this thing is, you know, going to stack up pretty well against those, uh, bike shop bikes. The other thing is that, um, you know, to make this more affordable, one of the things that, that Ride One Up cut down on wasn't the components, but rather the uh, motor style. So this one does have a hub motor, which for the purist is going to be, you know, a downside. It is nice to have a, a mid-drive motor with a torque sensor, both for the the balance of the weight and because it gives you that like most dedicated purist cycle experience. But even with the hub motor here, I mean, you know, all of these road style e-bikes are very low power. So once you're moving along at constant speed, you really can't tell too much of a difference between a hub motor and a, uh, a mid-drive motor. It's those times when you're, you know, climbing up a steep hill or, um, you know, doing the chicanes and you've got, uh, you know, some really um, tight cutbacks and you feel the balance of the bike more. Those are the instances where you, you notice more of a difference. But for probably 90% of the riding when you're just going straight down the road, it's going to feel pretty similar, uh, a hub motor and a mid-drive. Compared to, you know, $4,500, $6,000 electric road bikes and gravel bikes, obviously this is going to be a significant savings. The question that I have is, um, you know, who, who exactly is this aimed at is, are they going to try and carve off some of those like, you know, specialized and, and Cannondale customers, or are they trying to get those people that wouldn't have even considered one of those bikes that always said, you know, oh, I'd love to have one of those, you know, like Sunday morning, 70 mile uh, road bikes, but it's just not in the budget for me. Are they going after those folks to get them into this sort of uh, electric road biking, electric gravel biking market? Uh, what do you think about the bike, Seth? Well, I, I would say first off that I, I'm probably in that group because I have a gravel uh, acoustic bike. Um, that I don't ride as much as I probably would if it was electrified. Um, so, but I'm at, at the same time, I, I don't see myself spending, you know, the $5,000 it would cost to get like a giant or a specialized, um, you know, th those are great bikes, but I just don't think I would get enough uh, utility out of it, at least until uh, I retire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, $5,000 bike is something you wouldn't have to use quite a bit 
Um, you know, my, my questions on this. So, you know, I'm obviously in the, uh, the, the group that would buy this is like, you know, what kind of like the motor, I know what a Broza motor feels like. I would love, uh, ride one up to, you know, maybe have an upgraded version of this that has a Broza motor. Cause they do have, uh, bikes, um, with Broza motors. And in fact, like when a lot of my friends recommend or ask for recommendations on a bike that costs you know, it's cost effective, but has the Broza, uh, system. I often recommend ride one up. So, um, you know, my, my hope would be that they get some success with this and then, then they offer an upgrade. But, you know, my question on this one is what is that 37 volt, uh, seven amp hour battery with a 252, uh, uh, watt hours of capacity? What is that going to be like? Is that going to be you know, is that going to help a lot? Is that going to help a little bit? Um, you know, this is kind of an area where I don't think I have a lot of expertise. I don't have a lot of experience, um, on, you know, with the road bikes and the, the gravel bikes, because you really don't want like a heavy, big motor or a heavy, big battery. Um, you know, the weight on this is really light, like, like kind of surprisingly light. I think it's lighter than even, um, the, the, the bike shop bike, uh, you know, bike shop, electric bikes. Yeah. Specialized is, uh, I think 31 pounds. They're like base level, um, turbo Creo two, I think is, is the model. Yeah. So, I mean, at 27 pounds, like there are some actual like acoustic bikes that weigh that much. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's it's super impressive, but like, what, what is the, the flip side of that? Is it, you know, power? Is it, you know, does it get 20 miles and you're done or what's, what's the real story there? So we're going to have to, you know, take a look at this and, you know, see what other people are saying as well. Um, do we have a review scheduled or? They're not in the country yet. They, uh, they uh -huh. tell me they have one with my name on it, but, um, okay. hopefully they're going to be here next month. Uh, I should be heading to the U S in a few days. So if they get in early, uh, hopefully I can get one in early, but otherwise, uh, hopefully I'll be testing it in, uh, in January, if they stick okay. to their, their import schedule. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great bike for Florida. Uh, you know, you have the flat, uh, it's usually pretty flat there. So you don't need the like super heavy duty, uh, motors and batteries. Um, I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty good situation for you there. Um, yeah. if there is an extra one or if there is uh, a, a Broza version coming down the pike, uh, I'll just raise my hand now. Definitely. Uh, we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, I, I think the Broza is going to be a tough sell because I know that the, when I was talking to them about the, um, the Prodigy V2 that they have with the Broza, that it, it costs a, a good bit more to get those German motors in. So here, I think yeah. to reach this price, which the Prodigy is like another 100 or 200 over this, they probably had to choose either carbon or German motor, but, but not both. Right. Well, we can, Maybe. we can hope for the future. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, uh oh, here comes the chauvinistic one. Just kidding. Everything my <laughs> wife learned from her uh, first hundred miles e-biking to work. Yeah, this one was was fun because I actually got to interview my wife for work. Um, she started e-biking daily this year when she started a new job as a elementary school principal. We uh, to sort of set the the stage here. We live in a city. We're a couple miles from her school, so it's kind of like the ideal bike commute urban area situation. Uh, we have pretty good bike lanes. So I think about 90% of her commute is bike lane. And then she's got, um, you know, a short section where she either has to hop on the sidewalk or ride on the road, but it's, it's generally a very like uh, positive area to do a bike commute. And so when she started a new job, she said, I think I'd like to start bike commuting. You know, it's, um, certainly faster than, than driving a car in traffic. Um, and before that she was taking the bus, which on the way there, the bus trip would be about seven or eight minutes because it's at like seven in the morning. But the way home, the bus is 45 minutes, which is almost slower than walking, I think, for that distance because the traffic is just so bad. So instead, she's got a 10 minute each direction e-bike commute now that saves her a lot of time. And so I, I had the chance to talk to someone who is now like a first time daily e-bike rider, which is interesting perspective for me because like I'm so deep into e-biking for so many years now that sometimes you lose the perspective of someone who's new to the idea of e-bikes. 
And so it was very interesting to see all the things that she learned from the last few months of, of riding her e-bike every day. Uh, and a lot of it was positive, though it's not all positive. There are you know some, some interesting things to see. So um, just to hit a few of the highlights here, definitely the time saving was a huge thing for her. Um, she said that like, you know, she just can't even imagine going back to sitting on the bus now and just like, you know, watching the the miles slowly creep by, but also being stuck on someone else's schedule that you have to, you know, get there and wait for the bus or you get there right after it came. And, you know, with the e-bike, she leaves when she wants, she comes home when she wants kind of thing. Um, but uh, also she was talking about how it just, it starts her day differently. Like it's just sort of a fun way to, to have like a mini adventure every morning. And she said, you know, she starts with a smile and sometimes she'll just be like singing, riding her bike down the bike lane on the way to work in the morning. It just adds that like positive energy to the day. Um, it, it wasn't all positive though. Uh, there were definitely some interesting things that she added. Um, for one, something I didn't really think about, but as a woman, they, they wear different clothes, often like flower, flow, flowery, fl- more flowing clothes. <laughs> I feel like there's a word there somewhere. Um, and so like, you know, her longer like, uh, jackets or like, you know, if she wears like her kimonos or whatever, like, you know, long scarf, that kind of thing, she has to be very careful about that stuff, getting caught in a bike. And she has to kind of dress thinking like, I'm going to be riding a bike today, which is something I don't normally think about as a man. So that was, you know, another interesting way to look at it. Um, another thing is that her bike is technically, uh, fully street legal here. We have European style e-bike laws. That's 25 kilometers an hour, 250 watts, no throttle. And I would say probably half the e-bikes here still have throttles. Like either they they came with them or people added them, you know, after they uh, got the bike. And so she's, whenever someone just like blows by her and she's pedaling, it's a little bit demoralizing. So she wants me to, to add a throttle for her just so when she's tired, uh-huh. she she has the option. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back and forth on. Uh, my, my kids are the same way. They yeah. like, they hate the bikes without throttles. And they're just like, I can't do anything with this. I need to, and you know, they'll pedal sometimes, but like when there's, when there's a throttle, like the pedaling is just, it's kind of just make believe sometimes. Yeah. And probably they started with e-bikes that had a throttle, right? Or did they start right. on a, yeah. So the good thing about her is that this is basically her first like everyday e-bike. And so she started on a pedal. Which, which model is that by the way? This is the, uh, Exite. XS. Uh, Excite okay. is like the sister company of Rayvolt, uh, Barcelona-based okay. e-bike company. So this is like their futuristic line, and then Rayvolt is like their kind of steampunky retro line. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she it's really likes bike. this one. Yeah, that, that's why she chose it. Actually, she saw it in um, our Eurobike video where I was uh, on the, the trainer. This is the one where mm-hmm. you can actually um, put it on a trainer and charge the battery by riding it uh, right. stationary. So uh, she saw that and she was like, that's, that's the bike I want. Um, and I, I think it looks good as well. You know, I, is that I a agree. stock seat? Uh, that is not. So um, it came with a beautiful like Catalonian leather looking seat, which was terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> and so within like a day, she was like, I need a new seat, um, which is Bunch another interesting. In yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm used to just adapting, like whatever the yeah. bike is, however it's shaped, whatever size it is, I adapt to it. But not everyone is that, you know, uh, carefree. And so that was another interesting perspective that, you know, the bike's got to fit the rider. Um, mm-hmm. and so and it's funny cause I was talking to, um, Matt, the, uh, the CEO of Exite and we were talking about that seat actually. And I mentioned it and he was like, yeah, what a mistake about that seat. It looks beautiful, but it is not comfortable <laughs> so that they know that it's not the, uh, the best seat to sit on. Yeah. Maybe they should have a, uh, you know, when, when your bike's sitting in your living room, that, you know, the leather seat and then the seat like that you have here for the actual riding. Yeah. If anything, I should just put the seat on the wall in the living room. Cause it looks beautiful by itself. <laughs> yeah. And does she ever use the, uh, the, you know, using it as a, a workout bike to charge the battery function? We haven't gotten a trainer yet to put it up on. Um, okay. I've been meaning to get one. It has adapters so you can use pretty much any like bike trainer, but, uh, Exite does have their own that, you know, fits it perfectly. And so I've been meaning to get that for her cause she actually wants to do that. And I think that would be awesome to know that like each day you're commuting on energy that you generated would just be like, yeah, so, uh, it's, it's in the, uh, uh, in the cards for us. Yeah. Speaking of that feel good feeling, uh, and you mentioned a little bit like, you know, she's singing on the way to work. Um, you know, 
I, I think one of the best things is that you get your heart rate up. Uh, you know, you're not sweating necessarily, but you're, you know, you're, you're getting all your joints going, your, your muscles going. I mean, this will be something you'll, you'll notice more when you're older, but, um, <laughs> as an old person, uh, <laughs> getting, getting that like first thing in the morning, uh, really like helps out for the rest of the day. Like, uh, I, I, like, honestly, I've, I've become addicted to, to, you know, mostly Peloton bike, but, um, biking in the morning, if I don't bike in the morning, I actually will have a really bad day a hundred percent of the time. Just, wow. you know, from, from like withdrawals from every perspective. Yeah. I don't know if it's withdrawal. It's just, if I don't get like my heart going and my muscles stretched and, and joints going, then I just, you know, wind up in a bad place. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's me specifically, but I feel like it's almost like a, it's, it's like a depression. Like I get into, if I don't have that blood flowing and, and whatever, like I, I get like a serotonin uh, yeah. boost from it. So, um, you know, it that's, sounds that's like, like it. Yeah. It sounds like I it's two sided, like the physical and the mental. Yeah. And I think the physical has a big, you know, a big mental component. So, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, bike riding. I can obviously do, you know, other forms of exercise. I just choose to do bike riding, you know, whether it's stationary or, or whatever. So I know, I know I'm, I can't be the only one like that, but you know, it's just one of those things, intangibles that, uh, you don't really think about too much when you're, uh, you know, doing the equation of should I ride or should I not? And the last thing is, um, I know it doesn't rain a lot there, but, um, has she taken it in the rain? It's only rained a couple days uh, since the start of the school year, and uh, one day she rode a bit in the rain, and she learned the um, like shopping bag over the seat trick. Mm-hmm. But um, the other day she took the bus, which I think was like mentally demoralizing for yeah. her to be back on the bus. But um, she's she's a little more of a fair weather rider, I would say. Like on the the heavy downpour day, like it, she just didn't even look at the bike kind of thing, which you know I, I understand. Like not I understand everyone. too wants to to be out in the rain what she did say though is as it started getting cooler she liked the fact that she could lower the pedal assist level and she just like warmed herself up that way which is kind of an interesting interesting benefit yeah um and you know i I see the fenders on there like i know um you know if you're thinking about biking in the rain the fenders are the absolute most important thing otherwise you just wind up like soaking wet yeah, she um she mentioned when I was interviewing her that she learned that when she goes through puddles, she has to lift her feet up. There are fenders, but you know when you go through a deep puddle, you still get that like yeah. you know wake that you you spray all around, and so little things like that that like we take for granted. But now she's learning like you go through a you know a fist deep puddle, you lift your feet up so you don't get wet shoes. Yeah. So uh, last thing is um you know I'm living up here in Vermont for the winter because my son's going to school up here, and um we have a, a husky uh, that kind of goes, you know, ape, ape, if she doesn't get run. So I, I got that hay bike, um, that, uh, we both reviewed and, um, I've been using it in the snow. I, I, uh, dropped some air pressure and, um, I've been riding the, the puppy around for, well, she's <laughs> six years old now, but, um, so that's my daily, my daily commute up here in the snow. So that's awesome. Can be done anywhere. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Electric bike company Model J review. A literally one of the, the one of a kind moped. E moped. Yeah. A lot of people think their bikes like kind of one of a kind. This one, there is literally no other bike like this because I got to use Electric Bike Company's customizer to basically design it from the ground up. And so there's sort of two things here. One, there's the Model J itself, which for all intents and purposes, is like a Super 73, I don't know if I'd call it a clone, but like inspired by a Super 73 mini bike, you know, box frame style bike. Um, You know, 28 miles an hour. I think it's 750 watt continuous, but like a little over a thousand watt peak. Um, Very nicely designed bike. But the the real beauty here is the customizer. And that's where you, you really just choose everything you want going into the bike. Um, you know, it started with, I put a suspension fork on it. I got to choose all the colors, not just like the frame color, but the frame, the fork, the rim color, the tire color, 
the chain guard color, the rat, like everything, the, the handlebars could be black or, or silver. Um, you know, every, every piece on here, the, the grips can be customized. And then there's all the different technology. You can choose whether or not you want a torque sensor. You can choose whether or not you want a single speed or a seven speed. Uh, you can add alarms. Like I, I feel like I'm leaving off half the things here, but there's so much that you can go in and, and choose to customize. Uh, like just in the paint, I think they they have you know like 20 or 30 colors there, but they can literally make any color. Like if you have a I don't know like your uh, favorite shirt or something, and you want to match that color, you can like you know scan it, get that color, and they'll paint your bike that color. It's it's just crazy, and the way they can do that is they not only build their own bikes in Newport Beach there, but they have their own massive paint facility. Um, this is actually a smaller paint facility they had a couple of years ago that I visited, if you're watching the video here with us. And so I got to try my hand at painting a, a Tweety Bird yellow frame there. But now they've moved into an even bigger paint shop. And so it's it just blows my mind how much customization there is here. It's like there's there's nothing else like this anywhere in the e-bike industry that you can go in and just design your own specific bike however you want and you know this is just their uh, model j that's their you know super 73 style moped but they've got like a, a half dozen different styles of bikes from cruisers to folders adventure bikes etc and so um oh yeah i forgot about the handlebars like four different styles of handlebars like yeah, how crazy is that, that. Yeah. like there's there's just so much going on like i'm not even doing justice how many things you can choose is you can put one two or three batteries on it like you know, it's it's not even like you have to go to Amazon and like hack on a, a battery with a hose clamp. Like you just choose yeah, it, how many. It, it really does. It does seem like you're building your own bike here. Like, like really feels like you're like you're building a one of a kind bike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's funny because I designed this and then like once I got the bike, I was like, why did I choose that brown color for the rack? Like it's the one thing that doesn't look like it goes. I made a joke here that like they should have an error message that pops up and is like, are you sure you want your rack to be the color of the poop emoji? But uh <laughs> I mean, that's the cool thing, though, is that like just literally anything you want to do. Oh, you can choose between half twist and thumb throttle. Like when else do you get that choice? It's such a divisive thing. It's like a tiny part of an e-bike. But like some people won't buy an e-bike because it has a twist or it doesn't have a twist throttle. So just the fact that you can choose every one of these things blows my mind. And all of that is on top of the fact that it's just a really nice bike. You know, they use all corrosion resistant hardware because they come from uh, beach cruiser routes. So they know what it's like to have a, a bike you take to the beach every day. Um, they have a five-year battery warranty and a 10-year motor and frame warranty. Like they're just doing everything right here. Four piston brakes. Man, I just, I can go on and on. It's crazy. And the bike starts at twelve ninety nine. How insane is that? Yeah. It, you kind of wonder how they, how they do that. So. Yeah. I mean, so I'll say that by the time I got done designing this, it was, I think like $2,100. So, you know, uh, if you add a lot of different things and you, right. you know, choose different parts to have different custom paint, it does add up. And so they definitely make more profit on the customized bikes, but still like if you, you know, like if you wanted to do like Orange County Choppers e-bike version or something and go somewhere and have them build you a custom bike, you'd think it would cost more than $2,100. So it's still pretty reasonable considering you're getting like a, you know, 100% uh, uh, everything you want in an e-bike. And that's with two batteries too. Like, don't forget that's, uh, let's see, they're 48 volt, 14 amp hour. So it's like 1,300 watt hours of battery right there. And and how long does it take for a custom bike to, you know, from the time you uh, pay to the time something's at your door? Yeah, so that's a little bit of the bummer. It does take between two to four weeks. So, you know, it's not like... That's not, that's not unreasonable. I mean, they're, they're spray painting a bike. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's reasonable. But I'm also spoiled by all these companies that you place an order and two days later you get a, a tracking number for your bike and it's yeah. there within a week. So uh, you do have to wait a bit longer. But uh, remember, there are like, you know... California dudes and California women just like bolting these things together in Newport beach. So like, you know, this is being hand built for you from the time you click buy. It's not like something that was assembled a year ago and a sat in a box in a shipping container. And then it's in a, a warehouse in Arizona somewhere. So like there's, there's a lot of, you know, American labor that goes into producing these too. When you think about what happens from the time that, that you design it to the time it gets to you. So there's a lot of people that touch it and there's a lot of people that care as well, which I just think is a, is a pretty neat thing that like it's, it's as local 
as you can get. Uh, there are always people that are like, oh, well, the battery isn't, you know, made in the US and the brakes are made in Taiwan. Like, all right. So like it has foreign parts in it, but they start so with wait, the bare frame. This, this Newport Beach company hasn't like reinvented the whole like a value chain of the supply chain of, you know, bike manufacturing. They, yeah, they actually, <laughs> yeah. They're, I, um, I, they're not vulcanizing their own rubber in the, uh, right, in the factory right. there. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's as American as you can get, I think. And, uh, yeah. I, I just never understand how people like want to, want to pick that bone, but whatever. I, I just think it's so cool to support a local company that not only makes a good product, but also makes it so that you can create like literally anything you want. Just with the paint colors, there have to be like a hundred thousand different options. Oh, this is the one thing that I like really rubbed me the wrong way is that because they use a center uh, kickstand like that, you can get that pedal lock uh, when you go backwards. I hate that. Yeah. Right? Like, and since I was a kid, <laughs> there's mounts there for a rear kickstand. Like this one, I, I just it did not compute in my mind. But uh, I guess you know well, nothing. Can so be they didn't offer a rear kickstand. No, it wasn't. That's the one thing on the customizer you can't get is a rear kickstand. I'm sure but, that's common. It's gotta yeah, be common. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, the the helmet here as well. Um, in hindsight, I really should have picked the same color as my bike. I don't know why I went with a different blue, but uh, I think it looks pretty cool. That's a nice helmet, yeah. Yeah, and LED lights. Like, I mean, I, I sound like I'm doing a commercial for them, but like, I'm just so blown away by the experience here that you know the few things I could complain about, like you know, it gets pedal lock from the from the kickstand if you roll it backwards. Um, oh, there's one, one other thing that. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of. They have the throttle response pretty um, slow in terms of ramping up. So, um, you know, it's not like those Himaway big dogs where it's like you push the throttle and you start throwing gravel behind you. Yeah. Yeah. So this one within like a second or a second and a half, the motor kind of like ramps up. And so that might be part of how they can offer a a five-year motor warranty is that it's not like destroying itself by just dropping 750 watts at once. It kind of like ramps it up over a second, which... You know, if you're like us and you enjoy that power is kind of a bummer, but I get that it's probably better for a wide audience. Yeah, totally makes sense. And um, if you order like a stock one, you, you know, the lowest price one, does that come a little bit quicker? Yeah, I think um, it's it's definitely less than two weeks. I don't remember what the exact shipping time is, but they have them, you know, uh, that they can build up basically right away without having to do any of the other customization stuff. And that definitely yeah. comes sooner. It's still not as quick as, you know, just like ordering a rad kind of thing. Cause it's, and do they have like a, a factory box. store or anything? Can you just go to the factory and pick one out or? Yeah, hundred percent. I think they have like three or four actually um, okay. spread around Newport. Last time I was there, I think they, they literally had like seven buildings. Some of them were, were just bike building buildings. One was a paint shop and a few were, were factory stores spread around Newport beach. But uh, they also have a pretty good dealer network, so they're in, um, you know, a number of bike shops around the the country as well. That's great. All right, uh, let's do one more, and we'll do our read after that. Um, after Paris banned electric scooters, something surprising happened in the city. Yeah, this this actually did surprise me because I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen last year when Paris voted to ban shared electric scooters. Um, you know, if if you followed that news. There was uh, a referendum in the city. Uh, I guess a lot of Parisians were upset that there were these shared scooters uh, sort of clogging up the streets, you know, the limes and the birds and that sort of thing. So they banned shared scooters and we all kind of wondered, all right, what happens? This is the first big European capital to do this. Well, as it turns out, a new study found that the uh, dockless bike share, not the uh, Belieb or, or whatever it is that's like the Paris city docked bikes, but the dockless ones, um, went over, uh, over a hundred percent increase in, in ridership. So they more than doubled their ridership. And so basically everyone said like, all right, I'm still going to do this, like, um, shared micro mobility thing. I don't want to be stuck to, to docks, but I'm going to take the bikes now. And, and the bikes, when I think the last time I was in Paris, I don't know if there were, were any, uh, dockless bikes. Maybe there was one company so far, but what now they read. The red ones, the Uber. Oh, uh, Jump. Yeah, Jump had some bikes there, I think. Nice. Yeah. So now there's uh, Dot. I think Tier might have their bikes there. I'm not sure. Uh, there's a bunch of them now. And I mean, they've just gone like gangbusters. Everyone has been like, all right, now Parisians ride uh, dockless e-bikes around. 
so the the numbers have more than doubled there. The the total number of shared rides is still a little bit lower than a year ago, unfortunately, because you know when you like gut one form of micromobility, I guess it takes more than a year to recover. But um, these companies are basically just like renting out dockless e-bikes as quickly as they can, which I think is kind of a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, I'm personally a bigger fan of bikes. I think they're more stable. Um, and so, you know, I like this Damn. form of of micromobility. But on the other hand, the whole reason that Paris got upset with these scooters was because you had them blocking sidewalks, and, you know, knocked over, that sort of thing. And now these bikes are you know, two to three times the the weight, the size of a, a shared scooter. So are we just going to see the same thing happening again a year from now? Is there going to be a new referendum? And they're going to say, yeah, bikes too. Like, you know, we're tired of fishing those out of the river and uh, and we don't want those in our city either. Like what's, what's going to happen to the bikes now? So I don't know uh, if this is positive news or if it's just like highlights the, the issue that Paris had with, with dockless mo- micromobility in general. So I, I actually was in Paris um, two months ago. Um, I was in between uh, Barcelona and Berlin for um, for car reviews, and I spent the weekend there. And uh, so the, those jump bikes that we rode last time, they got that whole thing got bought out by Lime. So now you have these red Lime bikes, which is like you know Lime's <laughs> colors are green. But um, there's tons of bikes everywhere. It, it's so easy to ride in Paris because there's, it's it's one of those like critical mass things where there's because there's so many bikers now that everybody has to watch out for them. The cars are always on high alert, um, and you know you're they've they've built a lot of infrastructure. The you know the new mayor of Paris has been super bike friendly, um, and I think uh, I think the fact that there's so many people on bikes these bigger, you know, more street legal, uh, vehicles. I think that's, I think it's caused like the car drivers to just say, look, you know, we're, we're equal citizens, you know, we're going to ride behind you. We're not going to try to go around you and, and, you know, push you onto the sidewalk and, and all this other stuff. So I think Paris has become a very bike friendly city. Um, you know, and, and the scooter thing, you know, I, I totally understand. And, you know, I, I think you remember like when we were trying to go over the cobblestones uh, <laughs> on those scooters without the really great suspension, it was kind of rattling our brains a little bit. So, you know, in a lot of cases, um, the bike, you know, the bigger bike wheels are a benefit uh, as well. So I think overall it's, it's a good thing. And yeah, I think- that, that's great. Maybe the bikes can do what the dock uh, or the dockless scooters couldn't do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, uh, by and large, there's places to park those things that the, um, you know, the limes of the world are, are telling people where they should park them and, you know, what, what's the best, um, uh, you know, I want to, I don't want to say manners, but, um, like, like let's try to have a society here, you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone be a good citizen and, and, you know, treat others the way you would want to see bikes ridden around you. Exactly. So, uh, I think it's, I think it's really happening in, in Paris and that's good because they, they want to be uh, car free in a few years. So that's awesome. I, well, yeah. I, I'll have to check that out on uh, my next trip to Paris. I don't know when it's coming, but maybe now I need to make a field trip. Yeah. The, uh, Mon- Mondial, uh, show is one of these, one of these times. Um, let's do our ad read real quick before we move on. Um, Today's episode is sponsored by VMAX Mobility, Inc., one of Europe's leading e-scooter brands. The brand was founded in 2015 and is headquartered in Switzerland. After eight years of growth in Europe, VMAX e-scooters are now available in North America. VMAX UL-certified e-scooters offer exceptional performance and reliability with a motor, battery, and controller and frame that are all built to last for years. The brand's high-quality components are all made in VMAX's ISO-certified facility, for maximum control over safety and design. On the company's latest models, you'll find integrated turn signals, ultra-bright front lights, responsive brake lights, tubeless tires with superior tire tread, and an anti-slip deck and built-in suspension. You'll also find a powerful motor, high torque, instant responsiveness, advanced electronics, and regenerative braking for unmatched performance. VMAX offers an industry-leading 24-month warranty, and with nationwide repair shops and local U.S. warehouse for parts, servicing is easy. 
Check out the latest VX5, VX2 Pro, VX4 models, and stay tuned for the exciting new VX3. If you're a speed enthusiast, don't miss the company's R40 and R55 high-speed race scooters. Visit vmax-scooters.us and use promo code VMAXELECTRIC for exclusive offers for a limited time. Thanks again to VMAX for sponsoring. Nice. Well, if you just got back from Paris and you need a scooter fix, head over to VMAX. Yep. And and if you're racing scooters, uh, good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> so scary. It's a scary business, but uh, it's growing, growing quite a bit. All right. So let's move on. Uh, this lunchbox size folding electric scooter is even funkier than Honda's Moto Compacto. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun talking about the the Honda Moto Compacto the last few weeks. Uh, they're like briefcase shaped and sized electric scooter, but there's this new, even smaller, even if I may say so weirder electric scooter um, that may be coming depending how far along they get with production. It's called the Arma. And if the Moto Compacto is a uh, briefcase size, this one is better described as like lunchbox sized like the old like elvis tin lunchbox kind of kind of thing uh, if you're watching here with us you can see it next to a coffee cup and like it's not that much bigger than the coffee cup which is crazy because this is a fold-out rideable stand-up electric scooter it only weighs 10 pounds which is kind of crazy um it goes almost 15 miles an hour i think it's like 14 miles an hour and it has a range of just over nine miles so if we use the same sort of fudge factor with most uh, micro mobility vehicles where you figure you get like maybe 75% of that, then maybe you really get more like seven miles uh, instead of the 10 or so. But even so, like, I mean, this is very much meant to be a last mile or last two mile type of vehicle. It's something that you could carry with you, like literally the way you'd carry a lunchbox. And if you need to go two miles to the train station, you, you pop it out and you can ride like that. Uh, if you're in an area that doesn't have shared micromobility, then this could be a good solution. You know, it turns a, a 40 minute walk into a 12 minute scoot kind of thing. Um, the question is whether something like this is actually going to become a, a real product. Now they do have prototypes, but this company is not yet in production. They say that's their next step. So, you know, it, it looks good. Uh, if you're watching here with us, we can see at least one of these being ridden around Tokyo. So um, it, it appears to work, but I'm not sure if it's commercializable or how well it would stand up to the rigors of riding this thing every day. Uh, those wheels don't look particularly big, which I guess if it folds up into the size of a lunchbox, one of the things that has to go are big wheels. So these are like original razor scooter, like three and a half inch wheels. It looks like, um, I don't know if I'd trust it for me. I don't know. What about you, Seth? Would you ride this thing? Uh, I mean, I would definitely ride it around the floor at CES, but I don't know if I'd, <laughs> uh, take this like on, on the, the local streets. You hit a New um, York pothole. <laughs> yeah. A New York pothole would be the end. Uh, although you're not going that fast. I mean, I guess, I guess this thing is like, well, how much better than walking is it the experience going to be? Like, it doesn't look like it goes super fast. Um, but you know, this is the form factor is amazing. Like it, it's, it's literally a lunchbox and the, the weight is under 10 pounds, uh, which, you know, it's, you know, a lunchbox is often a lot less than 10 pounds. So it's a little bit heavier than a lunchbox, but um, you know, you could certainly take this with you to work. Um, you know, I, I see some bend in that, uh, in that frame. I, I wonder how like flimsy and, and rickety that would feel and, and still keep the weight. Uh, like, I, I wonder how, how rigid they can actually make this thing. And, you know, is the experience going to be that much better than walking, you know, yeah. especially have, having to carry around a 10, 10 pound object as well. Yeah. Um, what's so, interesting is you can see that the, you stand very close to those rear wheels. So it's like they're trying to keep the weight away from the middle where you'd be like stressing the middle of the bridge. Right. You're standing right over that rear wheel and that the front wheel is kind of just like for balance, you know, front and back balance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the idea. I love the like that they're going there. But um, I just, you know, in practice, does this work as well as it 
uh, seems. What would be cool though, like in addition to this, is like put a couple USB C battery uh, things on there, and you've got a you know a charger for your phones as well. That extra battery backup. I mean, that's a huge you know relatively huge battery compared to you know what people carry around batteries anyway. So like maybe it makes it more more utility utilitarian. I don't know. Yeah, at at a certain point, it becomes a a portable battery you can ride as opposed to a scooter that charges your phone. (laughs) Right. And maybe you can like generate electricity by, you know, kick scooting it or something. I don't know. Nice. That's version three, I think. We'll have to give it a little time. Yeah. No, I love the idea. I, uh, I hope they, I hope they get, you know, to, to production. All right. Moving forward. Uh, we have the Livac Equad unveiled as the most capable electric ATV ever. Yeah, and as I kind of teased at the beginning, uh, it's, it's awesome to see this, but there just aren't very many electric quad bikes out there. So uh, it might be the most capable electric ATV ever, but there's not a lot of competition. As it stands, it's, it's pretty interesting, though. This is a very heavy two-wheel drive ATV, so it's got a couple things going against it right from the bat. But this is supposed to be a uh, Michigan-produced U.S. uh, electric ATV. So if they can actually bring this thing to production, it should be pretty interesting. And they've got pretty good specs here, too. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to take this thing up to 67 miles an hour, but that's how fast it apparently goes. Maybe if you're on like a runway, but I don't know how many times I've been off-roading at 60 plus miles an hour on an ATV. Like that just seems faster than than anyone really needs. Uh, it's also got a pretty good range. It's uh, 170 miles from a 15.4 kilowatt hour battery pack. So the battery is roughly the size of most flagship electric motorcycles, and it gets actually probably better range than than a lot of um, you know, flagship level electric motorcycles. So I think they're probably quoting that range at a much more reasonable off-road speed. You know, most of the time you're not doing more than like 20, 25 miles an hour on trails because it's just not, you know, flat enough and safe enough to do high speeds. So that's, that's kind of the beauty of, of off-road electric vehicles is that when you're going slower, you get really good ranges out of these things. So the nice thing is that this looks like something you could ride pretty much all day. Um, the, the downside is that it's very expensive. Uh, I think it's close to $25,000 or so. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's a tough sell. Now, if you've been like hankering for an electric ATV, then maybe you're ready to pony that up. Like there just, there haven't been that many. And I know a lot of people have been asking me like, when are we going to get electric quads? Like, you know, I'd really w- love one of these things. So when you're one of the first ones in the market, I guess you can charge just about whatever you want because there's not a lot of competition, but uh, you know, there, there are some, some downsides here. I mean, the two wheel drive is, is a bit of a bummer. Um, Also they're hub motors. So while this is a pretty cool piece of kit, you know, you've got that extra weight in the wheels um, and uh, oh, and now I see the price is 28,000. It's even more than, than I was thinking. Um, But if you, uh, if you buy, you know, in the first round, then I think you get the discount to get it down to 25 or so. So, you know, I'm super excited to see these kinds of things entering the market. Um, you know, Levac, like hats off to you for finally making these things. They're just, you know, there need to be more electric off-road vehicles, especially since when you get out into the woods, when you're out in nature, like the last thing you want is like annoying emission sounds and, you know, hearing your engine. It's just, it's so beautiful to be riding like electric motorcycles, electric dirt bikes into uh, a forest and hearing birds and stuff like it's just it's so much fun it's like the best part of my rides when i go off road so i love seeing that coming to the quad bike market but i think we just got to bring these prices down i don't know what do you think seth yeah it says uh uh 30 discount for anyone who puts down a non-refundable thousand dollar deposit bringing the price to under twenty thousand, just under so like if, if you do all the things you you can get the price down a little bit um you know, I think Tesla kind of popularized the idea of an electric uh, quad with the uh, cyber quad, which hasn't really come to fruition. Uh, and it was suspiciously absent from the uh, the launch presentation. Um, although uh, there is a kid's cyber quad that we talked about quite a bit. <laughs> um, not quite as powerful as this one or as expensive, but, um, you know, it's, it's obviously like a, 
you know, interesting market. This thing goes like highway speeds, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, right. Um, it kind of feels like they should have a. I mean, you know, I don't know what I don't know what quad people do. I'm not a quad person. Um, I remember when I was uh, younger, somebody with a three wheeler like got <laughs> like like paralyzed from the like waist down and and like two towns over from me from one of those things flipping on top of them. So like, and of course my parents heard about that. So there was never an option of like going cyber quadding ever, uh, or that's, uh, quadding ever. So, uh, it's weird how I just said cyber quadding. Like, that's <laughs> They've got the you. Thing. Exactly. Um, so question, would this fit in the back of a, uh, a Tesla, uh, cyber truck? Um, based on the last few images I saw of Cybertruck beds, I'm a little worried about it because yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't seem that spacious back there. I don't know. And this look, this looks quite long. I think it's uh, just over six feet that can fit in the quad, cyber quad. And if I lay this guy down, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't care how tall he is. I don't think <laughs> this is going to be six feet. Yeah, maybe so, with the tailgate down. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you can stick the rear rear wheels outside of the uh, the vehicle, and <laughs> you'll be all right. So, cyber truck owners, uh, this is your temporary cyber cyber quad. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how these go. Uh, if there's more players in the market, you know. Obviously, we're kind of disappointed at Honda and Kawasaki and all the Japanese uh, motor brands that are kind of laid into the electric world. Definitely, so maybe it'll happen. All right. Uh, speaking of Cybertruck and Cyberquad, uh, the Tesla Cybertruck for kids, it's real and you can actually buy one, sort of. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, like a tweet, I think, uh, maybe you shared it, Seth, from the Cybertruck event where there was like a tiny Cybertruck there. Um, but it, it wasn't like just a joke. They actually make a uh, Cybertruck for kids. And just like the Cyberquad for kids was a very small format Cyberquad that had like a 150 pound weight limit and went, I think, 10 miles an hour. The Cybertruck is is basically a similar setup. It's not produced by Radio Flyer. Um, I sent out feelers and uh, heard back that they must have gone with a different supplier for this. So I don't know who makes it. Um, but the specs are pretty similar. I think it goes 10 miles an hour. Um, it's... Uh, let's see, thousand. I think it's a thousand. No, fifteen hundred dollars. There you go. Um, so you know, not cheap, especially compared to you know the uh, like Fisher Price Power Wheels or whatever they're called um, mm-hmm. that you can get for three hundred bucks at Walmart or Amazon, sort of thing. Um, but you know, you're not gonna be able to get that cool design at, at Walmart or or Amazon. So if you're really really into the Cybertruck and you want your kids to have one before probably you'll have one, then. <laughs> Theoretically, you could buy one from Tesla. However, it's in a similar situation where even if you want one, you're probably not going to be able to buy one because it's currently sold out. And just like the uh, CyberQuad for kids, it was like months and months between when they would restock it. And when it got restocked, it would sell out in like, you know, a few hours. So I guess maybe set an alert if you really want one of these to see when uh, the Cybertruck for kids comes back in stock and maybe you can snag one. Or you can take some like uh, cardboard and aluminum foil to a power wheels and and make your own. Yeah, the specs are a little interesting. Twenty two volt battery, five hundred watt motor. Uh, so you're talking about like a e bike type of uh, power. Ten mile per hour max speed, as you mentioned. Twelve miles of range. So obviously Tesla lies about its range. Probably five miles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and head, headlight and taillight, which is kind of nice. Uh, good for them. Glad they made it. Uh, it's funny and silly, uh, but you know what it needs cool though. It just needs that massive uh, wiper. It does. You know, actually, you could probably use a regular wiper. It's uh, <laughs> like a normal twenty-two inch car wiper. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta get one off of your uh, your your real uh, car or the local side right. of the road. Yeah. All right. So we have one uh, last one before we uh, move on. Uh, revamped and recharged is a new Juice Scorpion X2 e-bike, a game changer. Um, it so I, I did this one. Um, so so Juice introduced the X2 line. Um, subsequently, after the Scorpion X2, they released the Scrambler X2. Um, and you know when we saw the 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 announcement, um, 
we were kind of like, well, you know, is it more powerful? Is the battery bigger? Is there, you know, what are the real improvements? And, and, you know, I guess we wanted to find out. And so we had one sent, um, and I did a, uh, kind of side-by-side comparison with the older one. And there's some, uh, notable improvements um you know the the bike frame is almost exactly the same it's very popular very very good looking frame um the batteries uh updated from the older one but that was kind of done mid-cycle when they when they um announced that they were going to be um what is that i iso i can't remember that the yeah the i forget but... the, the certifications yeah so it's certified battery which is fantastic um juice was one of the first to do that um, but again, that happened mid-cycle. Um, also, they um, they have this new packing thing uh, that's different from the old packing thing. But again, that that was also a mid mid-cycle Scorpion X uh, thing. So, uh, you know what what it came down to is like, all right, well, let's check the components. And a lot of the components, um, notably the the motor, uh, was you know kind of a downgrade. So the the older Scorpion X has like these retro blade. Um, wheels on a um uh just a, a buffang kind of generic um 1300 uh watt peak um you know 750 whatever they say nominal um and they're on street tires and the um the they put spoke tires spoke wheels and and knobby tires on which i think some people will, will appreciate um I'm not in that camp. I kind of like the, uh, <laughs> the 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 street tires on that, and then a pseudo motor, uh, which I've never seen before, and I actually had to look up. And it's Buffang's new, I would say, value brand or or you know cheaper brand of motor, which you know you never like to see. Like it's the easy jet bike. of motors. Yeah, I mean it it worked fine, and I was getting you know speeds in the you know 22, 23 miles per hour. But it didn't feel any like there's no improvement. Like you think X2, there's going to be some kind of notable improvement there. So it was actually going a little slower, and I, you know, I'm not going to blame the motor on that. I think that the knobby tires may have slowed it down a little bit. Um, but you know, like when you when you have a new newer version of something and it's not quite as fast and not quite it, you know, they didn't really improve anything notably. Uh, the one the one major thing that I noticed is. Uh, there's instead of Logan brakes or Tektro brakes, which, you know, in my mind is, a, is an upgrade. Um, I, I hadn't really heard of Logan before and, and Tektro are kind of the industry standard of hydraulic brakes. So that was good. Um, but they eliminated things like um, the horn. Uh, there's no horn on this one. Uh, the lights are, you know, it's a kind of a hacky double button push instead of having a dedicated button. So there's a you know a uh, little bit disappointed I I would say uh, from Juiced overall, um, I I think they're probably trying to make it more efficient uh, a bike and hopefully we see you know prices come down a little bit, but um, you know the, like it you know we we made Juiced uh, Scorpion kind of our our bike of the year one year like this is you know w- one of our favorite bike lines for sure, um, right. so a little bit disappointed there. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for not, you know, reaching out to them and saying, hey, am I, am I reading this right? What am I not seeing here? <laughs> but I was also kind of like, I didn't want to really, you know, have that conversation. Um, yeah. So, so you, you were showing something in the video there about the different location of the, the batteries buttons. What is that? Yeah, that's, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. So the old batteries just have a button and you push it um, and... Like That's anyone not... walking by could could turn it on, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the thing is, though, um, you can't take the battery out because there's a key there. And then um, on Hyper Scorpions and the Scorpion X, there was a key under the seat, so you would actually turn off the controller. It would, you know, basically hard, you know, stop any power from going through the controller. Right. So that's that's not efficient because they have two different. You know, you're you're basically keying two different things, and on the on the new one, um, you basically have one place for the key, and that's where the battery is. But you actually have to to turn on and off the battery. You you have to pull it out. Um, so what I ended up doing is just leaving the battery on, 
and there's like a little LED light, which will eventually kill the battery. You know, it's obviously a huge battery, so it's going to take, you know, months and months. But um, rather than, you know, actually removing the battery, turning it off and on and then putting the battery back on, um, you know, people are just going to leave their, their, their battery on. But, you know, as far as juice is concerned, they don't have to have two separate keying systems uh, right. for the security of the bike. So it's a better system, but, you know. It's a little bit more more hassle for the the driver. And can you feel much of a difference between those knobby tires and the original street tires, just like going straight down the road kind of thing? You know, it's not obvious, um, but you know, at the top speed, so the the Scorpion X, I would pretty easily hit twenty three, twenty four miles per hour, and and you pretty much are dropping a one or two miles per hour with with the knobbies. Um, and I can't tell if that's because of the knobby tires. Maybe it's the pressure. Maybe it was cold outside. Um, but it just doesn't feel quite as, you know, quite as powerful. Um, and that top speed, I just don't get quite as close to that as, you know, I'm used to. So, like, all things being considered, you know, at, if if both were offered to me, I would take the, the Scorpion X. And, you know, I imagine the same equation is happening with this, the scrambler X2 and X. Like, yeah. So. Interesting. Hmm. Well, it's, it's fascinating to be able to compare these like this over, you know, a few year gap. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder like, you know, there's a lot of cost savings happening here. I wonder if juice is like, all right, you know, there's all these like Amazon e-bikes coming, you know, under a thousand dollars. There's the electric. Uh, crap! I said the, the Amazon. <laughs> the um, uh, of the electric XP. Yeah, the electric XP. Um, and I, I wonder if they're like, all right, well, if we're going to compete with those guys, we we have to uh, we have to kind of you know make our our supply chain a little bit leaner. Um, so you know, I, I do notice like the pseudo motor, the you know the one one keyhole. There's a lot of cost savings here. So. You know, I, I I wonder if the prices are going to come down a little bit. I know Juiced sells their um their BMX. What is that called? The the um, Rip Racer. Rip Racer for a thousand dollars. I wonder if that. I mean, it's and that thing has basically the same drivetrain as this thing. I wonder if they're trying to get these things down near that price as well. Yeah, and that is an awesome bike, by the way. I mean, like it's smaller, lighter, and so maybe that helps with the power as well. But uh, I mean, that's right. a, a fun little bike. Yeah. And so, you know, what I said in the post is, you know, I kind of recommend like, hey, uh, for a few hundred more bucks, you can get the Hyper Scrambler, which will go over 30 miles per hour if you wanted to. And or you can have it, you know, be in legal mode. I wonder if that, um, you know, is the way to go. And hopefully, I think I think Juice is having issues with the Hyper brand uh, that we often see at Walmart and other places. Um I think they might have to actually change the name of the bikes. Is, is that right? Yeah. Thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, several months ago, I think it might've been even over the summer, they announced they were phasing out those bikes. I think they're just selling off all the back stock they had in their warehouse and they're going to relaunch them under a, a non hyper name, I believe. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to watch out for that. I mean, in the meantime, I would definitely recommend those bikes over um, uh, the new X2s. Um, so we should head into the comments. So, uh, we use StreamYard for our, our show and, um, it turns out that, uh, Twitter did something weird and now we're getting all kinds of stuff from Twitter users. But if you have any questions or, uh, comments, uh, put them in the, in the, uh, either the YouTube or the Facebook now, and we'll be able to, uh, answer those. So let's go through those. Um, and we'll remove this here. Uh, Micah, why don't you get her something with a bigger wheels, a better ride? So, uh, yeah, a few people asked me about that and also that said that she was sitting too low on the bike. And it's the same answer to both of those questions, actually. It's that uh, my wife really likes being able to put both of her feet down on a bike that just like totally changes the stability equation for her and it makes her feel a lot more confident. And so she loves 20 inch wheels. And she rides with her seat much lower than like someone who would 
you would consider a spandex cyclist would ever allow someone to do. And so many people commented and were like, why is she sitting so low? And like, I told her, but she's more comfortable with, you know, having to bend the knee a little more, but being low enough that she can put both her feet down. So at the end of the day, you know, each person decides what's comfortable for them. Yep. Um, so I, I actually have that actual exact dilemma because um, I'm riding around with a Husky. So I, I don't feel as stable and I want to be able to get my legs out. So I actually ride a lot lower when I'm riding with the with the dog than I ride, uh, you know, just for pleasure. So I totally get it. Um, I wonder if like, what are those seat riser things? Called? Oh, um, a dropper post. Yeah, dropper post. I wonder if that's like a, a solution there. Yeah, that, that would cheap. be interesting. That would solve the problem. It's funny because those are normally on like several thousand dollar mountain bikes. So to right, put I was going to say like... those are quite expensive. <laughs> All right, uh, Mark Zweig again. Uh, we have had a Peloton for at least three years, still paying the 40 plus bucks a month. And it has probably been used 10 times in total. That's a shame. Pelotons are great. Uh, the road is much more fun. That's true. Um, Got to find your your Peloton instructors. Um Let's see what else we have here. Oh, you know, it's mostly just people on Twitter Enjoying. joining. Yeah, join, 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 join. Yeah, I All think right. uh, I think that's it for for this yep. week. Then, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining in, and we look forward to having you back to what I believe will be our our last podcast of the year in another two weeks. So uh, we'll see you then next time, everyone. And thanks again for uh, VMAX for sponsoring.